All right, I'm so excited to be here with you guys. What an amazing chapter. I said this last night, I'm learning after, you know, I'm a slow learner, okay? So after almost four, thank you, Sue. Sue says we know. So this is not a secret, apparently. You guys, you guys are talking. Before I go there, I wanted to say this. This is the other thing I wanted to say to you guys. There was a church my wife and I were involved in many years down in, in Long Beach, and they would call their services, not Sunday services, they would call them Sunday celebration, their celebration services. We, we gather as a church family to celebrate what God has done for us. That's why we're here. We are the family of God, and sometimes we lose sight of that. We have our own lives that, that are going on. We got stuff, but we are God's family, and we come. I love going to celebrations. I don't know about you. I love celebrate pretty much anything because it's just fun to celebrate. We are here to celebrate the goodness of our God. This is a celebration service. And I'm thankful that you guys understand that. Come on Sundays, not to check a box, but to celebrate the goodness of our Lord. Amen? So the, here, going back to me not being a fast learner, right? I keep, I, it's just taking me a while. I'm taking big chunks of scripture. That's just kind of my DNA, right? And I'm just realizing that I, I got to slow down. Like I got to take smaller chunks. Like PJ used to do a verse in a month, right? And, and then I'm like, I'm going to do more than that. And, and so Ruth three is just like, oh my goodness. Like I keep trying to condense three sermons down into one, right? So that's just a fault of mine. So I'm, we're going to, moving forward, we're going to start taking a little bit smaller chunks, but um, Ruth three is just fantastic, man. It is just fantastic. I'm so excited. So let's read Ruth three, then we're going to do some things, then we're going to pray. Ruth Chapter 3. Let's read this chapter together, church. We're in the New American Standard Bible. If you're on your phones, you want the New American Standard Bible, or there's one in front of you in the seat, you can take that home if you need one for home. We get those for free, so they're a gift to you. Verse 1. So Naomi, her mother-in-law, then Naomi, her mother-in-law, says to Ruth, My daughter, shall I not seek security for you, that it may be well with you? Now, isn't Boaz our kinsman? He's a relative. And those... It's his maids that you were with when you were gleaning. Behold, he winnows barley at the threshing floor tonight. Okay, so Naomi's uh, planning. And so she says to Ruth, wash yourself therefore and anoint yourself and put on your finest clothes and go, go down to the threshing floor, but don't make yourself known to Boaz until he has finished eating and drinking. And it shall be when he lies down that you shall notice the place where he lies and you shall go and uncover his feet and lie down. And then he'll tell you what you shall do. And so Ruth says to Naomi, all that you say, I will do. My kids said that all the time they grew up. I'm sure yours did as well. My, my wife never did, but that's a whole other story. Just teasing. Verse 6. So she went down to the threshing floor, and she did according to all that her mother-in-law had commanded her. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of grain. And so she came secretly and uncovered his feet. And she laid down. And before we start getting too scandalous, this was, this was what kinsmen redeemers, this was the protocol for a kinsman redeemer, which I'll talk about a little bit later, okay? So don't let your mind go there. <laughs> Verse 8. It happened in the middle of the night that the man was startled, and he bent forward, and behold, a woman was lying at his feet. And he said, who are you? And she answered, I'm, I'm Ruth, your maid. And so spread your covering or spread your wing over your maid, for you are a close relative. A kinsman, redeemer. Verse 10, and then he said, May you be blessed of the Lord, my daughter. You have shown your last kindness to be better than the first by not going after young men, whether poor or rich. Now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you whatever you ask, for all my people in the city know that you are a woman of excellence. Now it is true, he says to Ruth, that I am a close relative, however. Oh, 
no, 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 we don't need a however. This story's going so good. However, there is a relative closer than I, he says. Remain this night, and when morning comes, if he will redeem you, good. Let him redeem you. Either way, Ruth's going to be redeemed. But if he does not wish to redeem you, then I will do it as the Lord lives. So you just rest until morning. And so she lay at his feet until morning and rose before one could recognize another. So it means it's dark. And he said, let it not be known that this woman came to the threshing floor. And again, he said, give me the cloak that is, that is on you and hold it. And so she held it and he measured out six measures of barley, which is about two weeks worth of food. And he gave it to her and she went into the city back to Naomi. And when she came to her mother-in-law, her mother-in-law said, how did it go, Ruth? And, and she told her all that the man had done for her. And she said, these six measures of barley he gave to me. He said, do not go empty-handed to your mother-in-law. Verse 18, and then she said, Naomi says to her, wait, Ruth, until you know how the matter turns out, for the man will not rest until he has settled it today. Oh, my goodness, what a powerful, amazing chapter and reflection of our God's goodness to us. So we know this, that when, when people need to be cut out of a out of a car after a bad accident, they often use this tool called the jaws of life. I think that's what it's called. And they can cut away doors and metal in order to, to get to those who may be trapped in, in a vehicle. And even when drivers have wrecked through no one's fault but their own, rescue, rescue crews still employ these jaws of life to, to get them out of trouble. Christians are supposed to be the jaws of life to one another. When a person is trapped... Whether through their own fault or through the fault of another, we should be ready and willing to rescue our brothers and sisters when they are stuck. Amen? Church, let's pray. Almighty God, we were stuck. We were trapped in sin. And you rescued us. You redeemed us. You sent somebody to redeem us and rescue us from our sin. And that's the person of Jesus Christ, Lord, because you love us so much. And Lord, you ask us in different ways, shapes, and forms to help rescue others. Lord, help us to do that. Help us to understand your love for us more deeply so that we can extend that love to others more consistently. We ask this in the mighty name of Jesus that everybody said, amen. Church, here's our outline for our verses today. Two stanzas, verses 1 through 9, and then the next nine verses, 10 through 18. Ruth is seeking security. She is a, a widow, and she came from Moab. And so Naomi is seeking security for her, seeking a husband for her, seeking a home for her, seeking rest for her. And then she goes to Boaz, and Boaz says, I'm going to seek to get this matter settled before the day is over. He immediately addresses her need. So that's our two stanzas for, for today. <laughs> As Snoopy likes to say, <laughs> life is full of rude awakenings. If we are even somewhat familiar with Scripture, there is more than one biblical character who would agree with Snoopy <laughs> that life is full of rude awakenings. Check this out. Adam went to sleep, and he woke up to discover that he'd been through surgery, and he's now married. <laughs> Think about that. Like, that's funny. Right? Jacob woke up to discover he is married to the wrong woman. Boaz woke up at midnight to find a woman lying at his feet. Let's hit our first stanza, Seeking Security, verses 1 through 9. Let's, let's um, kind of 
um, hover through verses 1 through 9 real quickly. So Naomi says to Ruth, I want to seek security for you. I want it to be well for you. And so Boaz is our kinsman. Go to the threshing floor. That's verse 2. Wash yourself. Anoint yourself. Put on your best clothes. Go down there, but don't make yourself known to him until he has finished eating and drinking. And when he lies down, go there and uncover his feet and lie down, and he'll tell you what to do. And then she said to her, Ruth says to Naomi, all that you say I will do. And so she went down to the threshing floor, and she did according to all that her mother-in-law had commanded her. And then when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went and lay down, and she came secretly and uncovered his feet, and she lay down. And it happened in the middle of the night that he woke up, and behold, a woman. Now, for, for many guys, perhaps that's a dream come true. I don't know if that's what was going on for Boaz, but um, verse 9, he said, who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your maid, and so spread your covering over your maid, for you are a close relative. What's so amazing for me about this short little story of Ruth, these four chapters, is how big it is in representing everyday life. The short little book, this little book is so big in how it represents everyday life. These are real people. These are real people with real challenges, trying really hard for things to go well, for things to make sense, for things to be secure. Is that not just life? Here's what we know so far in the story of Ruth. Let's talk about the broken parts, okay? Here's the brokenness. When, when Ruth starts off in chapter 1, the book of Ruth, it's Elimelech. There's a famine going on in Bethlehem. And so Elimelech takes his wife Naomi and their two sons, Malon and Chilion, and they go to Moab, which they shouldn't have gone to. That was their hated enemy, right? And when they get there, Elimelech passes away. Then the boys get married to Orpah and to uh, Ruth. And then the boys pass away. And so then Naomi returns home. And she tells her daughter-in-laws, Orpah and Ruth, you stay here. Find some men. I don't have any other sons that you can marry. And so Orpah stays. She kisses Naomi and she stays. And Ruth says, no, no, I'm, I'm sticking with you. I'm staying by your side. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. And so she returns. And so there's all this brokenness. And when, at the end of chapter 1, when, when, when Naomi comes back, they say, it's Naomi. And she says, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. Because Mara means bitter. She goes, I've lost everything. But then in chapter 2, we start to see healing and we start to get a glimpse of hope. We see in chapter 2 that Ruth is looking out for Naomi and she goes to glean in the field so her and her mother-in-law can eat. And then we, we get introduced to Boaz. And we see that Boaz looks out for Ruth. So Ruth's looking out for Naomi. And then Boaz is looking out for Ruth and Naomi. And then Naomi's looking out for Ruth. And then Bo, Ruth is looking out for Boaz. you got a lot of people looking out for a lot of people. It's fantastic. And that's where the healing comes in, and that's where the hope comes in. And so for me, church, the lesson in all that is this, is that like we witness here in the book of Ruth, we too shall see the mighty hand of God when we also are all looking out for one another. That's when we see the mighty hand of God work. Amen? Let's look at verse 1 again, church. Naomi, her mother-in-law, says to Ruth, My daughter, shall I not seek security for you, that it may be well with you? Naomi ardently, passionately desires security for Ruth. That it may be well with her. That word security means a couple of different things. It means, it means rest. It means, it means home. 
doesn't mean rest home, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's the same word, security, rest, home. Aren't we all looking for this? Aren't we all looking for a sense of security, a, a place that we can call home, a heart that, that is at rest, a life that is at rest? This is what Naomi wants for Ruth. This is what Ruth wants for herself. It's what we all want for ourselves and for others, I hope. As was introduced last week, Boaz represents the person of Jesus Christ in this story. So here's the takeaway in all that, church. We are not secure. We are not at rest. And we are not at home unless we come under the covering or the wing of the Lord through Jesus Christ. That's the lesson. We will never find true rest, true security, or a true home. We're not designed for that. We're designed to be in fellowship with the Almighty God who created us in his image. And so our security, our rest, and our home is found in him and in him alone. Can I get an amen? Amen. Jeremiah 6.16, check this out. Thus says the Lord, Stand by the ways and see and ask for the ancient paths, where the good way is, and walk in it. In other words, follow me. Come under my wing, and you will find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it, which means they will not find rest for their souls. They will not find security. They will not find a home. Church, here's another cool thing. Ruth's obedience to the Lord and to his word is bringing about a God-provided boldness in how she's now attacking life. Let me say that again. Her obedience to the Lord and to his word is bringing about in her, in her character, this boldness in how she's attacking life. Let me explain. Go back to chapter 2, verse 12. If you remember this from last week, chapter 2, verse 12. When she meets Boaz and she's humble that he wants to take care of her and says, don't go glean anywhere else. And he meets her and he finds out that she's an amazing woman because she's stuck with her mother-in-law. And he says in verse 12, may the Lord reward your work and your wages be full from the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to seek refuge. So he, he, he pronounces a blessing over her. Good for you, you're under the Lord's wings. <laughs> go to verse 9 in chapter 3. So Ruth is there in the middle of the night. He says, who are you? And she answered, I'm Ruth, your maid. She says, so spread your wing, your covering over your maid, for you are a close relative. It's the same exact word that we just saw in chapter 2, covering, wing. Okay? So what she's saying is, hey, dude, don't just bless, pronounce a blessing, be a blessing because you are a kinsman redeemer and she's acting according to God's law, God's word. And she's saying, don't just bless me. Be a blessing. That's what she's doing. Ruth, who is a Moabitess widow, was calling the attention of a noted Hebrew to his responsibility. She's walking in the boldness of God's word. Oh, it's fantastic. Let me just give you real quick. This is out of one of my Bible dictionaries. What a, there's Different responsibilities of a kinsman redeemer. This is the one that this is referring to. If a person dies childless, Ruth, the redeemer married the dead man's widow and raised up a son to carry on the family line and to honor the deceased person in a custom known as the leveret marriage. You can read about that in Deuteronomy chapter 25. Okay, so that's what she's, she's calling that out. She's operating in boldness. Mm. 
Here's verse 9 reworded. This is what Ruth is saying in her boldness. Do we have that? Yeah. She says, I'm Ruth. You're a close relative, so spread your covering. Isn't that just fantastic? That she's living a bold life, a conviction, a life of conviction. She's calling out God's word. She's saying, step up, dude. Make it happen. Oh, Ruth's becoming fierce. Ruth is walking and living and thriving in the authority of Scripture. Praise be to God. Lord, we thank you for your word. Clearly, in this amazing story of Ruth, we see a woman begin to flourish and blossom. That's what's happening. Was Ruth just lucky? Was Ruth just lucky? Was she in the right place at the right time? Was she smart and crafty, knowing how to play this game of life? I want to reread verses 1 through 6 again for a reason. Because it's not that she was lucky, and it's not that she knew how to play the game of life. This is, this is why Ruth is flourishing and blossoming. Let me, let me, let me let's go. Start at verse 1. Naomi says to her, I need to seek security for you that it goes well with you. Isn't Boaz related to us? He's at the threshing floor tonight. Verse 3, wash yourself, anoint yourself, put on your best clothes, and go down there. When he lies down, you're going to notice where he lies down. Uncover his feet, and he'll tell you what to do. Verse 5 and 6, and she said to her, Ruth says to Naomi, all that you say, I will do. Look at verse 6. So she went down to the threshing floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law had commanded her. Let's put all that together. The thing that enables Ruth to flourish and blossom is not luck. It's not about being smart and crafty. It's about being submissive. That's why she's flourishing. Because she's submissive. In chapter 2, Ruth submitted to the Lord's word, which allowed her to go glean in the fields. And she just happened to go to Boaz's field. And she meets Boaz, and then she submits to Boaz. So she submits to the Lord by going. Then Boaz says, don't glean anywhere else. And so she submits to that, and she stays with Boaz. And then you get into chapter 3, and now Ruth submits to Naomi. So she submits to God, she submits to Boaz, and she submits to Naomi. And she says in verse 5, most of what you say I will do. No, that's not what she said. She said, all that you say, I will do. And verse 6 says that she did according to all that her mother-in-law had commanded her. Who do we have in our lives that we can say that about? Who do we have in our lives that we can say, all that you say, I will do? I hope we have godly men and women in our lives that if they speak God's word to us, if they speak truth to us, if they speak out of love, that we can say to them, All that you say, I will do. I have men in my life that I can do that with. They can say something to me and I say, all that you say, I will do. I do that with my wife already, so I'm kind of used to it. (laughs) Honey, all that you say, I will do. I am one submissive dude, man, I'm telling you. At least at home. So I ask, what level of submission do you allow in your lives? Level one, let's call this level one submission. Uh, input. No, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll consider your input. Just give me whatever input or data you have. I'll take a look at it. Is that your level of submission with people in your life? Maybe you're level two. Maybe you allow people to encourage you. I really encourage you to maybe not do that. I'd encourage you to really think this through. I, I would encourage, okay, I'll take that into consideration. But do you allow people to command you? Do you position yourselves with your brothers and sisters in Christ, godly men and women, where you allow them to command you to do things according to God's word? Hmm. Ruth did according to all that Naomi had commanded her. 
And perhaps it's difficult for some of us to wrap our minds around this. I wonder how much we truly trust and obey godly men and women in our lives. It's, it's why the Lord created the church, so that we could do that. So we could speak truth into one another. Well, if Ruth can submit completely to Naomi, how much more so to the Lord? If she can submit completely to Naomi and to Boaz, how much more so to the Lord? And perhaps many of us would struggle to do all that a person would command of us, but there's a good chance that we won't do all the Lord commands of us either. Submission's a real thing. It's pretty important in the kingdom of God. It's huge. Check out some of these verses. See, James 4, 7 says this. We know this verse. Submit, therefore, to God. But what's interesting, it says resist the devil and he will flee from you. Part of resisting the devil is submitting to God. If you don't submit to God, then it's going to be hard to resist the devil. (laughs) Submit, therefore, to God. Okay, well, that one's easy. Look at 1 Peter 2, verse 13. What about this one? Submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every human institution. And then it goes on, which we don't have time. And what about Hebrews 13, verse 17? Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. These are elders and pastors. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. Isn't that interesting? That's obviously, on some level, an awkward verse for me to share with you, right? Does that make sense? But it's what we're called to do. And so I'm also submissive to the elders of this church. I'm to be submissive to them. It'd be unprofitable for me not to be. I would argue that the most critical trait to be found in the man or woman of God is submission. It's the most important trait. Submission. It's what it means to call him Lord. Lord means master. Master means we have to submit. Hey, check it out. That's how the Trinity is designed. There's the submission in the Trinity. It's by God's design that we are people of submission. Our second stanza, church, verses 10 through 18. Let's read those. Let's just kind of hover through those. Verse 10. We're seeking settlement now. So then he said, Boaz says, May you be blessed to the Lord, my daughter. You have shown your last kindness to be better than the first. The first being what he did for Naomi. And now he feels like she's doing something for him by not going after young men, whether poor or rich. He's probably twice her age. Now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you whatever you ask, for all my people in the city know that you're a woman of excellence. Now, it's true. I'm a close relative. However, there's a little snag. There's a relative closer than I Remain this night, and when morning comes, if he will redeem you, good, let him redeem you. But if he does not wish to redeem you, then I will. So you just rest until morning. And so she laid at his feet until morning, and then she took off. And then he gave her a bunch of barley in verse uh, 15, verse 16. She came to her mother-in-law, and she asked, how did it go? And she told her everything that had happened. And she showed her the barley. And then verse 18, she said, wait, my daughter, wait, wait, wait. Until you know how the matter turns out, for the man will not rest until he has settled it today. Mm. So, here's what's cool. There's a problem, trying to get it fixed, and there's a glitch. There's this other guy that's closer than Boaz. And so she has to wait. Sometimes we got a plan, because there's a problem, and then there's oftentimes a glitch, And we have to wait. That just sounds like life, doesn't it, with our Lord sometimes. 
But here's what's cool. Here's what happens, or what, 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 what Boaz does in coming alongside Ruth while this is taking place. In verse 10, he says, be blessed. While she's waiting, while things are being worked out, he blesses her. We can be blessed while we're waiting. So often we think when we're waiting, we're not being blessed. Oh God, I'll be blessed. I'll feel good. When, as soon as you answer this, as soon as I get over this, as soon as this thing takes place, then I'll be blessed. And he says, be blessed while you wait. Be blessed while you wait. I'm sure we all have things that we've been waiting for. I'm just guessing. Many of us here, we have things that we've been worried about or praying about, and we've been waiting, and we've been waiting, and we've been waiting. We can be blessed while we wait. We can be blessed while we wait. And then he says in verse 2, he says, do not fear. He says, be blessed. And he also says, do not fear. We're not to operate in fear. And then in verse 11, he says, I will do for you whatever you ask. Really? Yeah, you know that Jesus says that too? We'll talk about that in a second. And then Naomi, at the back end of this stanza, in verse 18, she says, wait. Wait until you know how the matter turns out. Do you know how often we get ahead of God? Because we don't want to wait. And Naomi says, wait. Let's see how this thing turns out. And then she also says, this is what's powerful. That man will not rest until he has settled it. That means that our Jesus Christ, our Savior, our advocate, is busting his tail for us when he's working things out for us. He won't rest until he's worked it out. And I know oftentimes in our relationship with the Lord, we think, what are you doing up there, man? Like, what's happening? Are you resting, God? Are you not hearing me? And he's like, I'm busting my tail, man. You've really got this thing jacked up. I'm just trying to unravel it all. I don't know. What's also cool in this stanza, in verse 15, Boaz measured out six measures of barley. In other words, while she's being blessed, while she's fearing not, while she's waiting, her needs are being met. Her immediate needs are being met. Why all this favor? Why all this favor? Go back to verse 11. Now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you whatever you ask. For all my people in the city know that you are a woman of excellence. Ruth is a person of excellence. This is what we know to be true about Ruth. She serves. She submits. And she seeks the things of Scripture and of the Lord. She serves others. She submits to authority. And she seeks the things of God. And that's what makes her excellent. When we operate in excellence, which is what she's doing, then like her, we can be blessed. We can not fear. And we can trust the Lord to hear us and answer us when we do so. Check this out. John 14, verse 27. Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. And see, this is where we get in trouble. We want God's peace the way the, the way the world gives it. We want the world's version of God's peace. He says, do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. We are not to fear. We are not to fear. Fear not 
is the word of assurance that the Lord gave to many of his servants throughout Scripture. He said, fear not to Abraham. He said, fear not to Isaac. He said, fear not to Jacob. He said, fear not to Moses. He said, fear not to the nation of Israel. He said, fear not to uh, Joseph. I lost my place. Yeah, nation... Joshua, Jehoshaphat, he said, fear not to Ezekiel. He said, fear not to Daniel. He said, fear not to Joseph. He said, fear not to Zechariah. He said, fear not to Mary. He said, fear not to the shepherds. He said, fear not to Paul. He said, fear not to John. He says, fear not to you. He says, fear not to me. Fear not. And so while we wait, which is what Ruth is doing, Boaz says, fear not, be blessed, and wait while he works for us. Exodus 14, 14, another appropriate verse for this story. One of my favorite, mine and my wife's, the Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. I think I've shared this before, friends of ours that do ministry on Capitol Hill. I heard this from Dan and Lori 20 years ago. This is God can do more in an instant than we can ever accomplish in a lifetime. The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent, while you wait, while you trust him. In John 15, verse 7. This is that when, when, when Boaz says, I will do whatever you ask. <laughs> if you abide in me, Jesus says, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. <laughs> is that amazing? This is what's happening in Ruth chapter 3. A few other things worth noting. We see in verses 12 and 13 the whole sowing and reaping principle that you find in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, that as a man sows, so shall he reap. Okay, let me explain. So we see this in 12 and 13. In verse 11, Naomi is considered a woman of what? Excellence. So she's sowing excellence. When you sow excellence, what do you receive? Excellence, according to Galatians, right? Check out 12 and 13. So now it's this Boaz guy. Now it's true, excellent woman. I'm a close relative, However, see, he doesn't just go there. He could have. He says, there is a relative closer than I. Now, how he knew, I don't know, but he knew. Maybe he had his eyes on Ruth. Maybe he was preparing, saying, man, I hope one day she comes to uncover the covering and wants me to be your kinsman redeemer. And if she does, I'm going to have to let her know that there's somebody closer than I. Naomi didn't know and Ruth didn't know. He says, I'm a close relative. However, there's one closer than I. Remain this night. And when morning comes, if he will redeem you, good. He wants what's best for her. Let him redeem you. But if he doesn't wish to redeem you, then I will as the Lord lives. Her excellence, she reaps excellence from Boaz. That word excellence in verse 11, go to Ruth chapter 2 verse 1. Go to Ruth chapter 2 verse 1. This is when we're introduced to Boaz, if you remember. Right, So they come back at the end of chapter 1 from Moab to, to Bethlehem. And then verse 1, Naomi had a kinsman of her husband, a man of great wealth of the family of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. That, those words, great wealth, is the same word in Hebrew, yahil, for excellence that we just found in verse 11, chapter 3. It's the exact same word. Ruth is reaping what she has sown. She has sown excellence and she receives excellence back in the person of of Boaz. Mm. However, <laughs> however, regardless of their equal excellence and how each of them is feeling about getting married maybe, there does exist the possibility of a closer relative that can ruin this awesome story. We don't want this guy. We don't even know who he is, but we don't want him coming in. 
But he exists, doesn't he? And so that's the glitch. And here's the moral to that story. With excellence, everything matters. Details matter. The little things matter. Oh, this is just a little sin. This is just a little thing. And excellence requires that everything be done properly and godly and truthfully and above reproach. Clearly, it goes without saying that what Ruth wanted was a good thing. It was a God thing to have a kinsman redeemer marry you. And there was a great plan. It was a good thing, a God thing, and it was a great plan. But there was an important detail that somehow got missed. That's life sometimes. We want a good thing. We want a God thing. We have a great plan, and it doesn't happen. And we wonder why. Well, we missed something. We missed an important detail. And God's like, I kind of, I got to work through this stuff. We missed a few little parts here to your plan. Oh, and then we look back after it takes place and we go, oh, I see. I didn't think that through. I was flawed in my thinking. I missed a detail. And like Ruth, we must wait. Like Ruth, we must wait. Can you and I, it says in verse 18 of chapter 3, she says, wait, my daughter, until you know how the matter turns out, for he ain't going to rest until he has settled it today. Can you and I wait until we know? Can you and I wait until we know, until it works itself out? I'd say we can, but if and when what we know about the relentless and caring nature of our Lord as portrayed in Boaz, when we understand, then we can wait. When we know that he's relentless, when we understand his character is to get after stuff for us, he's working through the details that we missed, then our ability to wait is because we know the character of the guy who's not going to rest until it's been settled. And so that's what allows us to wait. We say, I don't know what's going on. I'm sure I missed some details. It might have been a typo in my request to God. Something went wrong. But I know that he's getting after it for me. I know that he won't rest until the matter is settled. It's just his heart for us. And sometimes we miss that heart because we miss some details and we have to wait. And close with this, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. We are to cast all of our anxiety upon him. Why? Because like Boaz, he cares for us. And he won't rest. He won't rest. He loves us that much. Good word. Amen? I'm going to invite up the worship team. I'm going to pray us out. Um, and after we're done with our last worship song, if you need prayer, please see our prayer team down here in the corner, okay? See them for anything. Prayer is important. Church, thank you so much. Thank you for doing this with us, with me. Let's pray. Almighty God, gosh, help us to have the right posture before you. When we come up against your greatness, your goodness, your love, your majesty, God, we love you. We're so grateful that you have a relentless pursuit for us, for our goodness, for our security, for our rest, for a place that is home for us. And you won't, you won't rest until it's settled. But Lord, sometimes we miss some things. And so we have brothers and sisters that come alongside us and say, wait, just wait. But in that waiting, Lord, you provide for us. 
Lord, in that waiting, you, you, you bless us. In that waiting, you tell us to fear not. Help us to do that better this year, Lord, we pray. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen.